Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. So this might come as a shock to you, but I am crazy about side hustles. I love them. I think they're so fun. They're so rewarding. And more than anything, I love the skills that you learn from side hustling and how that can transfer to so many different areas of your life. I was so excited to talk with the queen of side hustles, Daniela Flores. If you have not heard of Daniela before, she is such a rock star and I'm so excited to introduce you to her. She's founder of a really popular blog called I Like to Dabble. She's a serial side hustler, an entrepreneur, and cat lover. Over the past two years, Daniela and her wife paid off $35,000 in debt, including her $15,000 student loan debt, partially thanks to side hustles. The coolest part about Daniela and everything that she preaches is that she believes that more money, it's not the ultimate goal. Time and freedom are. And that is a mission that I can for sure get behind. So in this episode, we cover a lot of different ground, but we talk a lot about Daniela's debt, unemployment, and living habits that inspired her to take control of her finances. We talk about why building a positive personal perspective on your debt is super crucial. It's so important that you have the right mindset when it comes to debt, her blog, and other effective ways that she has side hustled, how she made money fixing up PlayStation 2s. I thought this was so cool. This was like one of her OG side hustles was flipping PlayStation 2s. Best shipping methods for cost efficiency. How to get into side hustles easily and naturally. Part-time versus contracting. When you're selling your skills, do you take on that part-time job or do you go become a contractor? A bit about DoorDash, Uber Eats, Instacart, Postmates, those types of uh, on-demand delivery services figuring out what personal skills you might be able to monetize, immediately profitable versus long-term side hustles, and why you should get past your perfectionism. This is such a critical piece, and it's one of those things, too, that Daniela experienced a lot of when selling on Etsy. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. We cover a lot of ground. We talk about a lot of different ways to make money and hopefully it triggers something in you. If it does, definitely make sure you check out Daniela's website. It's I like to dabble.com. She also has a really awesome side hustle course. So if you want to take this work to the next level, check out her course and see if it's right for you. I know she covers a lot of really great stuff and she's truly somebody I would trust to learn from. Guys, I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Daniela Flores. So let's go ahead and dive into this episode. 
Hey, Daniela. Thank you so much for hanging out. I am so stoked to chat with you. So we were talking a little bit about before we officially hit record, you're going through a really fun move coming up. So I'm excited to follow that journey too. But tell us a little bit about your journey to getting your shit together with finances. Where did that actually come from for you? So it actually came from was the looming debt amount that I had that I was kind of ignoring for a long time (laughs) until um, one day where I realized that, so I put my student loans in like forbearance for a while when I um, first kind of entered, I guess, my career and I kept, um, I I basically didn't want to pay them. (laughs) But then when I faced my first layoff, I had to put them in forbearance. And then um, I kind of had to reassess it because they kept calling me and calling me because you know how student loan providers are. Um, So I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. And then when I realized that our spending habits, uh, my wife and I were just kind of a little out of control. We're one of those people that love to go out and eat and just go do things all the time. Um, When one day our bank account was basically in the negative, we had to go to Plato's Closet, which is a thrift store around here, to sell our stuff to just get some gas money for the next paycheck. Okay. We're kind of at this point where we need to do something about this. That's super rough too. I've, I've been in those situations that are super humbling financially where you're like, what, what am I doing with my life? Like, why did I let myself get here? But I'm curious about, you mentioned you were laid off and then you had student loan collectors calling you and stuff too. How did you go through that emotionally? Like what what were some of your coping strategies to get through that time? Um, Ignoring calls, which was not a good, not a good coping strategy. Don't try it. Um, so it was actually, I guess after a while of me ignoring so many calls, um, and finally just talking to them, um, them telling me my options, which then I later found out was like, you know, don't follow the advice of putting your forbear, your loans of forbearance. This is actually, I was following the advice that they told me, um, at the time I was laid off by, from my retail IT job. And I had actually, when I first found out about it, it wasn't like immediately being laid off. It was like, oh, this layoff is coming. So I jumped the gun and set my, and I was like, okay, I'm already hardly paying my student loans. I was just horrible with it. They had recommended to me to put it in forbearance to prepare. So I did. I had found another job and I could have actually put my student loans, you know, back on a normal schedule and, you know, a little bit more of a payment amount rather than like the minimum I could do. Um, But I just wasn't in that mindset. Um, so I, the coping strategies, once I finally adopted some healthy ones was reading as much as I could online. And then I sat down and I looked at everything, like clearly looked at everything, like not, you know, sugarcoated in my head by ignoring things, <laughs> but literally sitting down looking at the bank statements, going and logging into Sally Mae, just looking at, okay, what do I need to do? And then it's crazy because those student loan for providers told me the exact opposite of what I should have done in that moment. <laughs> That's so freaking frustrating. Yeah, I think is. that's, it's crazy too. And then I can imagine you turned all of that frustration and that anger into like a healthy plan. What was your plan to pay off your debt? Like, how did you start to pay off $35,000? What was your strategy there? All right. So all that wasn't student loans. So student loans were actually kind of towards the end. Um, when I looked, when we looked at everything, we had um, credit card, past uh, debt. Mm-hmm. I had hospital debt from a past accident I had in 2014. And then we had the student loans and then the card debt was basically last. So we did the credit card and the hospital stuff basically like um, in big payments, like as much as we could, which the side hustles helped with. Um, and then my student loans, I once I did like sign repeating back up, I did um, what I could basically, but 
like I wanted to make sure I was saving for emergency fund too, which wasn't something I was doing before. So it was kind of hard to like maybe balance the two as well as tell myself like, you know, I felt like I wasn't paying myself by paying debt, but I really was. Um, That's huge. Yeah. Especially when you think like all that money's just going away, but really it, it like you won't, you were in the negative before. <laughs> so being at least like at the even is, is good. Oh, I love that. I think that the, I like that you reframed the debt process for you too. Cause I think so many times we, we view debt as such a crappy, shameful thing and we really make ourselves feel like crap about it. But you were viewing it as like, Hey, I'm taking care of this. And this is me taking care of myself, almost like a form of self care. Yeah. Because at first well, avoiding paying the debt in the first place was me thinking that all my money was just going away, like to nothing, which yeah. I never, I, I can't, I grew up with like a good, um, financial background with my family, at least. Um, no one really took the time though, I guess, to educate their kids on finances. And I, once I got out of school and got my job, I was like, I like, I want to do things now. I don't want to have to like pay all this debt or do all this. Um, and then of course, not even knowing the debt was there in the first place with credit cards and the hospital debt. Um, but then once I found, you know, we're sitting down doing everything, planning it out, how we're going to actually save and pay off debt at the same time. And then debt isn't like it's going into this black vacuum that's never going to come back again. I mean, it totally it sets you up for success. So, you know, you're basically investing, well, for one, not being in debt in the future, because, you know, the more you're in debt and if it compounds, just like compounding and investing, it's going to compound down rather than up. Yep. It's so true, too. I forgot to ask you, what you study in college? Uh, computer science and web development. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I love that. I So I live in Boise, Idaho. And for a, a long time, I worked at Boise State, like seven-ish years. And one of the big draws there, or one of the big pushes was more uh, females in computer science. And I freaking, I love that. So whenever I hear people in the tech industry in general, I get so excited because there's not enough people <laughs> that go in to see us. Yeah, it was about like the eighth major I think I settled on. I went through a lot of different <laughs> ones. Um, it was one I've actually had the most experience to growing up. My dad uh, taught me some web development stuff when I was a kid, and I um, had always been playing around with things. And I thought, well, it's it's something what I'm good at, and I like doing it, so I might as well just go with that. I wanted to try all these other things though in college first before I settled. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely admire that. I was one of those kids where I picked accounting of all majors, like yeah. the most boring ever. I'm like, this is so fun. So I studied accounting in about my senior year is when I realized, oh, this is not for me. But I felt like I had to just finish. So I just stuck it out. <laughs> I wish I yeah. gave myself permission to switch. <laughs> <laughs> accounting would be fun, though. I feel like it would be fun now. Me versus, I mean, versus what I would think maybe back when I was in college, I probably wouldn't think it was fun. But now... The me would think it was fun. The me now. The tax piece is super, like, as an entrepreneur, you look at the tax laws and you're like, oh, this is, like, how can I finagle this legally to make sure I'm not paying this much? Or what can I do? Or how many credits and deductions can I take? Like, it is kind of interesting. Yeah. In a nerdy way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> when did you start your your blog? I like to dabble.com. Like, at what point in your debt payoff journey did you launch that? Is basically about the same time. So what we were doing was, okay, I got laid off. Um, then I got my new job um, working as a contractor for the VA. And then I got laid off again. But right before I got laid off again, I started the blog, but it was still very much like a hobby kind of stage at that moment. Um, 
And so this is about beginning of 2017. And then the change of administration happened. Oh, wait, no, that was 2016. Mm-hmm. So I got yeah. I got laid off again. Um, and I basically had, like, kind of put more effort into the blog then because I kind of did want to bring it up to an income-generating kind of asset. That's awesome. Um, and, and then since the debt payoff journey was – I mean, the debt payoff was kind of like a big forefront of our minds at that time and just getting our finances in order, you know, being able to invest in our future because, like – our future at that moment, we didn't, we didn't really have much for retirement. We didn't know what we were going to do or any of that. It kind of blew our minds. So since that was such a big interest to us, I wanted to hone in on finances with the blog, but mostly make it about side hustles since it was what I had the most experience in. Because I wasn't going to create this giant finance blog on stuff that I didn't know. I love that you settled on side hustle. I say settled in like the best way possible, because I think so many times side hustles open all kinds of fun doors. So tell us, give us some context. What are some side hustles that you and your wife have both tried? Oh, okay. So we've done a lot of different stuff. So reselling online is a big one. My wife resells guitars on eBay mostly, but we also do other reselling of um, stuff that we find at thrift stores, estate sales. Um, We used to do yard sale and garage sales more often when those were more of a thing. They just don't happen that often now. And you won't be able to find that much good stuff at them now either. Um, just because some of the stuff we've seen like happening around in our neighborhood, we just don't see like that much good stuff at garage sales anymore. Yeah. Um, we, I used to do toxic side hustling, which I call like in high school where I would, you know, I would side hustle for extra money to make up for my spending habits, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually what opened the door to reselling online because that's what I used to always do is find what I could sell of my own stuff, taking that same knowledge, knowing what I because I knew what sold and what didn't sell. So I kind of had that knowledge. Looking for looking to the bright side of toxic side hustling. It did open the door for that. <laughs> toxic yeah. side hustling. I love that you call it that. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so with blogging, I've done like some web development freelancing. I That was actually the, work, the first, I guess, legit side hustle that I had was I did freelance for some startup clients that I had just known from my first job in my career. And that was kind of my introducing introduction to freelancing. I've also done freelance writing. Um, web design goes on with the web development stuff. Um, I used to buy PlayStations off of Craigslist and repair them and then resell them, either on Craigslist or eBay. But it's just like little things. If I knew, like looking at it, I could do like, oh, that's something I could fix probably. It'd be little things like the fan inside of these like old PlayStation 2s. Um, uh, painting. I used to live paint at concerts, which are, it'd be like little concerts, not like huge concerts like Beyonce or anything where you can get in for free. And then I could paint and bring in, I could also bring finished paintings with me and then sell those at the concert. Um, if people wanted to, I wouldn't usually put a price on them though. I would just have it like kind of open to negotiation. Cause that way it, it seemed like I got more money that way rather than putting prices on them. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't sell paintings anymore. I don't do that. I do it more of a hobby just cause it is uh, a lot, especially since a lot of my time goes to the blog now anyway. But I do want to get back into painting more. I don't know about for money, though. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It kind of ruins it sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I tried, like, other things, too, like Rover. I tried that for a little bit. Um, I've never done anything like DoorDash or Uber or Instacart, but I've always wanted to try them. I'm trying to think about those side hustles. I mean, I've done like things like babysitting and nannying. Um, I used to snow shovel with my uncle using his four wheeler because he had like <laughs> this so little. Yeah, 
Yeah, the snow shoveling business, but he would have me and my cousin on four wheelers doing the driveways while he did the roads. So it's like the best side hustle ever. <laughs> I know. It was because at the time I was like, after my first job out of college, that job didn't really work out well. And I was freelancing and waiting tables. And my mom's like, oh, uncle, your uncle needs some help with this, with the snow shoveling. I'm like, all right, sign me up, whatever. <laughs> Dang. Okay. So you've been a hustler. It sounds like pretty much all of your life. Are yeah. one of your parents entrepreneurs or where, where does this come from? Um, I don't know where it comes from. My dad was, I mean, both of my parents, I guess, were side hustlers when I was growing up. So my mom was still in nursing school when I was a kid mm -hmm. and she was working as, she was going to nursing school, working as a nurse. And I think she was still doing, uh, they did catering. Oh, cool. so they worked for a catering business for a little bit. So I think she was still doing that. My dad is an IT as well. And he, at that time, I think he was still doing help desk call center stuff. And he was working as a waiter at this one little restaurant. And then he took like, other, I know he worked other, like other call center hours, I think on the side. Um, so they were always like kind of working. That's <laughs> and then my, yeah, my grandma did have her own antique store in her, when she was retired, which I spent a lot of time at. So maybe that came from that. I don't know. My family was kind of all over the place with the different jobs and different things that they've done. It's amazing. I love that. I always love hearing about side hustles when you were fixing playstations and selling those not, I mean, I don't come across a lot of people that as kids are like, I'm just going to fix this up and sell it on eBay. Like, how did you even know to do that <laughs> at that age? Um, so that was actually, this was right before, I guess it has been like 2013, 2014. I was living at my grandpa's house because my grandpa was living with my parents and they needed somebody to watch the house. So I was living there. I spent, had a lot of extra time on my hands and I was either playing a lot of PlayStation or watching a lot of YouTube about PlayStation. And I had a PlayStation at the time that was broken. I figured out to fix it myself. And I was like, these things aren't hard to fix at all. <laughs> so I was like, I just was bored. And I was like looking around in Craigslist. And I was like, people, I was like, oh my God, you think you're, because these people are like just trying to get rid of their stuff. You know, they, they thought it never didn't work at all. And I was like, okay, I'm going to buy that for 50 bucks, uh, fix it up. And I'm going to either sell it back on Craigslist again, go to eBay. And if no one buys it, I can give it a, uh, I can sell it to B stock, which is like a, it's like a reselling store here. I'd probably still make a profit. That's awesome. Okay. Let's talk about shipping costs. I did a side hustle one time where I was flipping and selling cell phones on eBay and Ooh. loved it. It was like the best, but I started to learn a lot about shipping costs and I always steered clear of bigger items because of that. Did you find any weird hacks or any ways to make the shipping costs not as exorbitant? Yeah, so shipping is a big deal, especially with guitars, because they are very expensive to yeah. ship. Um, we just, usually with shipping, big items, I've always make made the seller pay the shipping um, and made sure that they paid enough for the shipping. So usually weighing it and going to like the portal to see what the quote would be for the shipping, mm -hmm. a lot of the time is using USPS. And she used to have, my wife used to have like a plan with USPS for small, small business like shipping. That was cheaper. And then, yeah, and then, uh, not USPS, sorry, UPS, not USPS, um, but UPS through um, PayPal. But there's no, like, specific hack to make bigger items really, really cheap, unfortunately. Um, of course, we haven't fit shipped anything bigger than a guitar before. So once you get bigger than that, then I think it's, like, freight shipping or something, when people yeah. ship, like, large, like, furniture items or something. Um, I haven't figured that out either. One of my friends, um, he has a business called Flea Market Flipper, and he does. Oh, I know uh, them. Yeah. yeah, like the craziest stuff. And every time.
shipping their freight shipping. I'm like, how the heck? Like, what are you even doing? It's so yeah. Wild. I would love to learn more about that because I'm totally clueless on like the freight shipping or shipping big, big, big items. Um, yeah. The guitars, it's, it's, it just gets to, it just depends on like if we ship a case with it, it gets really heavy. If it's the guitar itself, it's not that bad, really. Give me like heavy. some context, like when when we say like a case and a guitar that's pretty heavy, like what would that cost roughly to ship? About seventy ish dollars. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and that's just ground shipping. Got the, it. The cheapest one you can get, <laughs> but it usually gets to them in five days. Uh, but that's we don't fast. ship to we don't ship to California. California has been the California has been problematic for shipping prices. It's always the most expensive what? and we've had just weird. So, so for the guitars, she's, she started putting like, don't ship. We don't ship to California, I guess. Cause where we are in Missouri, it was somehow huh. the most expensive, crazy thing. And also this one state that popped up the most, but we haven't seen that much, um, I guess, backlash since doing that. We have had, we've had some people reach out though saying, oh, we're in California. Would you still be able to ship if we pay you this one? You know, if we pay you for it, basically. Once you start getting people that are difficult, they're like, oh, it can't be that much to ship it. You know, the people that just start trying to nickel and dime you for every single tiny thing for <laughs> this guitar for one is a sizable amount of money. You right. know, of course the shipping's going to be a little bit, then you just, it's like, all right, fine. We'll find somebody else. You're like, that's the red flag. We're running away. (laughs) Oh, exactly. Especially, or people that try to, you know, offer you on eBay if you don't have the offer set like a low, um, like the amount, Mm, which, you know, we've learned over time to always have it set to a certain thing. So you don't have people trying to offer you $100 on a $500 guitar. Oh, are you guys doing like auction style on eBay? Is that how you're doing it? Oh, oh, not for the guitars. No. I mean, um, because when you have, I guess it's like the the price set as like a buy price. We don't do auctions for guitars. The people can still like, if you don't have it to set as like minimum offer. They can oh, still okay. send you like a hundred dollar offer for something. Or, like, you know, they could send yeah. you a $1 offer if they wanted to. <laughs> gotcha. That's so interesting. Okay. Oh, so like, let's break this down. If somebody wants to get into a side hustle and they just need some cash to pay off debt, they're like, I'm just trying to get rid of my debt. I've got my normal nine to five, much like you, they're side hustling and or dabbling, as we should say, uh, they're dabbling on the side. So what, what, like, where did people start? Do you have any recommendations on what is like an easy side hustle to get into that's actually worth okay. it? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've always, I always tell people start with what you have and where you are, um, so for me, freelancing was always was what I had where I was at the time because I had a, I had a computer, I had Wi-Fi, I had everything I needed to freelance. So I didn't have any startup costs. So if it's something like that where you have a laptop or wi- and Wi-Fi and Google Docs, or if you want to like write or do some freelance design, or if you have any sort of sign of skill that you can basically freelance out, you can find work on sites like Upwork or FitFiber if you want to take the time to create those profiles. But um, of course, LinkedIn, though, you can create, you know, try to like craft your, I guess, profile around your skill or whatever thing you want to make marketable as a freelance skill and start connecting with people there and looking at the jobs there. Um, I know Indeed also has some good free, like they usually post some freelance stuff on there. Um I think, oh, and then Facebook groups for freelancing are great too. If you just type in groups for freelancing, I'm not a big lover of Facebook anymore, but their groups and their Facebook marketplace are amazing. (laughs) Marketplace is so good. 
It's yes. like the best. Um, that was going to be my second thing for, you know, if you don't really want to do all, like go into the whole freelancing and figure that world out. I mean, maybe you can try reselling because reselling was easy for us getting started, especially with something like Facebook marketplace knowing, but you have to know that sometimes a Facebook marketplace, people aren't going to want to spend as much as they would on. Yeah, I fully agree. So I do furniture flipping on the side. I love it. Yeah. It's like my favorite creative outlet in the whole world. And it, my garage is nuts. I'll have to send you a picture. You'd be like, what is going oh, on? Oh, yeah. Here? Oh, I saw your Instagram stories today. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. So you saw it's like it's a cluster. But yeah, that's one of the things, too, is like Facebook Marketplace is one of the best things. But I am always so shocked on, and I've even tested this and I felt like such an asshole. I really did. I bought a piece of furniture that had terrible pictures, didn't do anything to it, relisted it with nice, higher quality pictures and made like 50 bucks. And it's amazing how little time people put into that. I'm like, just take nice pictures. That's all you have to do. Yeah. Oh my God. That's such a genius idea. It works. I feel like I want to do that now. Do it. No, I seriously, just, do it. I was going to be sitting on Facebook Marketplace today being like, oh, buying this, buying this. <laughs> no, for real, though. There's so many people. And it's it's so interesting. I think this goes to even, like, clothing. I see this a lot with Poshmark, too, where they yeah. take the most terrible pictures. And you're looking at that. You're like, who's going to buy that? You can't even see what it looks like. Yeah. No, there is. You can definitely tell when somebody's newer to Poshmark, their pictures are just very, like, you know, the newbie feel of. And then you start using the filters on the pictures, like the old school vignette filters, which actually what I, I think I used on my first listing on Poshmark. <laughs> and then actually after spending a lot of time on Poshmark and looking at like the bigger accounts, I just basically copied what they were doing with their listing pictures and things started going faster. I could sell things for more money. I got less, um, I don't want to, I don't want to tell them, I guess, annoying kind of comment, like, you know, the annoying questions you get when you sell stuff online, <laughs> like like measure the inseam of the armpit to the da da da. It's like, okay, like I'm not doing that. This this shirt's from Target. Are you serious? <laughs> it's like a five dollar shirt. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to get rid of it. <laughs> I totally get that. That's usually you mentioned your red flags. Same yeah. thing with furniture. If I get people that ask a million questions, where'd you get it? What kind of wood is it? Blah blah blah. Has it been refinished? I'm like, oh, you're gonna be a pain in the butt. <laughs> like, I can yeah. already tell. Okay, I'm getting this off track. I get so stoked about side hustle. So for somebody that has the skills, use existing resources, LinkedIn, vamp up your profile, Indeed, potentially um, some of the marketplaces like Upwork, Fiverr, that could be a good place to start. Do you do you recommend when you're side hustling, sometimes it's hard to find the contract positions versus like the part-time paid positions do you have like any recommendations? Like, would you ever take a part-time one or do you only do contract positions if you're selling your skills? Hmm, that is a good question. So I usually only do like the contract, you know, independent contractor yeah. ones because part-time usually has some sort of obligation to it hourly. And I don't really want to be held down by that or, but I mean, it is a plus side for having, having them take out your taxes for you if sure. they do do that. So it's, I guess it depends on what works best for you. If you do find a part-time one and it looks really good, just make sure that your boundaries are set and all the expectations are set going in. Yeah. Do you ever recommend people start with more of the independent contractor route via Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, like that kind of stuff? Or do you typically usually recommend people sell their skills? 
So since I've never actually, so I've done the only one of those I've actually done is Rover. Um, and so of course Rover takes a fee because Rover has to make money too. <laughs> and so since I did that, I was like, Oh, I probably could do pet sitting on my own. Cause we did the pet sitting. We didn't do the dog walking part. Um, and we did it in their homes because we have pets ourselves. So when I did that, I was like, oh, I could actually probably do this myself and probably make more money, you know, with them taking the fee. But if I were to do like, oh, you know, with Rover itself, I only did a couple one-off things. It was mostly around the holidays. It wasn't like I got any really good long-term clients, that sort of thing, like how people actually run their businesses on Rover and they get those clients that are repeats and all that stuff. Um, with Uber and DoorDash, no Instacart, all that fun stuff. I've never actually done those myself, but I've known others that make, you know, that do have a real, you know, success doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, this is like what works for you. If you have a car, of course, you know, and it's something that you do, you need to make sure that of course you are responsible for the expenses for your own car and your insurance, um, and all that stuff. Take that into account when you're driving for those companies. Um, of course, Instacart though, I do know that they have a shopper, uh, position on there. So you don't actually have to have a car. You can work in the store. Like I think I know at Whole Foods, they have those where the shoppers just go around and they'd give the food oh, to the people. That's right. And I've seen them at our target also the ones that just like stay in the store. I totally forgot um, that's that they offer that. Yeah. And that's one that I've always wanted to try just to see. Um, and I've also wanted to try DoorDash too, so badly, especially since uh, one of my freelance writers just gave me a DoorDash review and I published it and I was like, oh my God, this sounds really good. Like I want to, I probably can make some good money with this. Like, you know, it's just like some random hours during the weekend. Uh -huh. Um, I feel like it's whatever works best for your situation. You know, if you have a car and you have those required, uh, devices and things to do the job. Um, and it's something that, you know, if you're like driving, I like driving. So I'm surprised I haven't tried them yet. <laughs> I know. Especially if you like driving. Yeah. Yeah. They're, of course, they're you know, you hear the fun. horse. Yeah. You hear the horse stories though with the tipping, like on Instacart and DoorDash, I think are the two that have the horror stories with the tipping where I think they took tips from the workers, which a little sketchy, mm -hmm. you know, and of course you're going to have asshole customers. Sorry. If, sorry. Don't just cuss, nope, cuss on good. here, I you're guess. Good. All right, cool. Of course, you're going to have those customers that, you know, you might get stiffed on tips. Especially yeah. maybe some, I know on Postmates, I think it was where you can put the tip, you could put the tip in before, but then later people were going back into it and taking the tip off. Yes. It's were. like, oh my God. <laughs> That's so messed up. Like what? that is so messed up. Especially it was like during COVID that all this stuff was introduced with the extra tipping exactly. functionality. And then the people just had the guts to really go back onto it after you give your rate. Cause I'm pretty sure you have to give the rating before you even go back and change any of that. I think you do too. Yeah. It is pretty jacked up. I tested, so I've tested DoorDash, Uber Eats, and Instacart as well. And they're fine. Like they really are. I mean, it's quite easy. I find that you have to be super efficient. If you're doing Instacart where you're like going in the store and shopping, you have to be really, really quick. But if you go to the same stores, you, you learn what aisle the jam is at. Like you start to learn all of this stuff really quickly. And so it goes it goes pretty fast. You, I think you can make decent money with it. I'd be curious if you find the same thing with when you try that side hustle. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I really want to try one of them. I just don't know which one. There's so many. There's first, so many. Yeah. Um, I feel like the one that I would, I don't know if Instacart would be the best. I'm sometimes a rage uh, grocery shopper where like if it's really busy, I just 
<laughs> you're like bust, bumping bust. cards. I'm just like I just like person that like the speed walks through just like oh oh get out of my way Linda. out of my way. <laughs> so, so I don't funny. know if I should just be like maybe a Postmates, you know, rolling up to the restaurant, <laughs> grabbing your pizza and dropping it off at your door. And I love how the all the new COVID restrictions or it's like no contact. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the best for introverts, right? You're like, yes, I don't have to talk to anybody. Just go grab the food and leave. Yeah. Nice. Have you tried Amazon Flex? Um, so I was going to try Amazon Flex and I had it all installed on my phone and ready to go. And, um, cause it was at the time they just introduced Amazon flex in St. Louis. Cause they had just put one of those new warehouses here and I was going to try it out, but I had way too much stuff going on and just, it's still on my phone. The app is there. It's not updated, but it's there. <laughs> I finally got approved to do Amazon flex after two years of being on their wait list, two oh, freaking wow. years. I was like, this is ridiculous. So my my partner, um, Tony and I, we would just use his account and just cruise around town and do mostly the Whole Foods deliveries. We found it to be a lot faster and easier. If you have an SUV and you go do the Amazon shipments, they load your car up to the, like, it's completely full. And so that you have to go deliver all that stuff. But it was pretty efficient. We had, like, he was driving. I'd be in the side doing the directions. And we just, like, throw out the stuff. Like, okay, here's the next stop. Go. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. Oh, this does sound fun. Yeah. It's interesting though. So, okay. If somebody is trying to monetize their skills, I know you probably get this question a lot too. Where do you even start if you don't even know what the heck you're skilled at? Yeah. So I love, I'm a fan of brain dumping. I like to brain dump stuff, especially because I like writing things down. So brain dump, I mean, if you're a writer or if you're a typer, either do it on your phone or your laptop or or a piece of notebook paper. Um, and I like bullet list styles. So I like to, what I, for this exercise, I would just, you know, make a bullet list, maybe two columns of like skills that you have, but just think about, you know, anything that you do on a daily basis. Um, maybe things that you do at your job that you wouldn't necessarily think of as a skill, but really is. Um, and then just like brain dump all those down. And then on the next column, you can brain dump possible side hustle ideas. And as you're doing this, you can also Google side hustle ideas. I also have some helpful ones on my website just to like get an idea. Um, so like, for instance, I have a friend who just became a real estate agent. She's doing this all on the side of her full-time job. And she's a really big people person and her like communication skills and all those soft skills she uses at her day job, she would have never knew translated into being a real estate agent. She's really great with customers. She was telling me how she's like, Oh, I jumped in all these new open houses I was doing. And they were telling me like, Oh, you're a God, you're a natural at this. I'm like, of course you are. Like you love talking to people. So <laughs> of course you're good at this. So it's just like one example of, of course she didn't know that was a skill, but it is. I love that. And so she, she's using what she is actually really good at naturally. Do you ever like recommend people talk to their friends or family to say, yo, what, what am I actually good at? What's unique about me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Ask your friends and family. I always, you know, I've asked my family to kind of, you know, give me tips on like my own websites, like when they're looking at stuff and they're like, oh, I saw your blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, by the way, what do you think of that? Like, how did that sound to you? I always ask them like that, but I've never asked them about myself. Like, what do you think is something I do good? I know that they think I'm creative and artistic, but that's besides that, who knows what they say behind my back. Yeah, sometimes you don't want to know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. But that's a great idea. I think, yeah, going to your friends and family and asking them 
but from the therapist's perspective, like, hey, what would you pay me to do? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. I like it. So start with a general skill assessment, just jot down everything. And then what do you do when you have that that desire to do all the things? This is like speaking to my soul right now, where you're looking at right. that list and you're like, that one, that one, and that one, and all right now. <laughs> How do you prioritize yeah, so coming from somebody who's a serial side hustler who never settled on one, I'm so <laughs> bad at this. I'm so bad at these answers, but this, so like looking at that list, you can narrow down basically, all right, so I like this one, this one, and this one, but which one do I really see myself actually spending a lot of my time, like me wanting to give a lot of my extra time? Because this is your, you know, this is on the side of your day job, side of family activities. You know, you might have kids and a bunch of stuff you have to do every day and on the weekends. So what's going to be something that you want to put your time into and doesn't feel like another you know, a burden, not like it is a, you know, any of those other stuff in your life is a burden, but I'm just saying that because people will be like, Oh, I don't want to do another job. Well, right. like what is something that won't feel like another job? And I think and that's where your dabbling comes from too. Right. Yeah. So I've like, I'm a big advocate of experimenting. So, I mean, you don't have to settle on one, try, try them out, try them all out, but you know, don't try them all out at the same time, you know, maybe try one this month, try a different one next month. And they don't have to be something you have to stick with forever. Um, temporary side hustles are great because that's where it got, you know, that's where I've, that's why I've gotten here is trying so many random things. I love that. I think it's good advice too. And I think the, the experiment approach almost takes that pressure off of, I have to make this work and it's got to be all or nothing. So I kind I really like that. I think it's a good reframe. Yeah. And it's, and it's great for like, you know, it's like a case, they're like case studies basically of, you know, your big idea that'll eventually come along. You kind of have to go through a lot of weird, crappy ideas first. <laughs> Yeah. Do you ever come across side hustles that are really good and you think could be great potential for you, but they don't necessarily pay you immediately? Do you pursue those or do you kind of leave those off the table? So, yeah. So like, let's say you want to write an ebook or something. That's something that may not pay you immediately, especially if you self-publish through Amazon. You have to kind of wait, I guess, till your earnings come through. Um, you, you didn't get like a book advance or anything like that. <laughs> nope. Um, then yeah, that, that's definitely something where it's like, okay, you have to put in that upfront investment of your time and then maybe any, uh, any fees to self-publish your book and then try to project in some way, like however many sales you have to make to, I guess, satisfy yourself, whatever that number may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mean, if it's something, if it's something about something you have a lot of knowledge in, you like talking about writing about. Um, you have definitely just give a go at it. Worst case scenario is what nobody buys it. I mean, it's not a big I deal. Know. You're out like a few hours of your life, maybe. Yeah, but out a few hours, but in like with more experience points. So, so freaking true. I'm glad you said that. That's a really, really good point is I think sometimes we don't focus on the skills you get from testing the side hustles. Yeah, the skills are a big one because I mean, those so, so whatever you failed the first couple times, at least you have that experience to make it worth the, make it work that next time. Um, that's like what the experimenting is kind of all about. How, how do you approach this when you have people that maybe want to side hustle? Maybe they want to create, I don't know, ebook templates and sell those on creativemarket.com or something. And they have all these really phenomenal ideas, but they are not quite taking the action why do you think people don't take action? And do you have any like tips to help motivate them to like take that next step? Oh, it's so, like idea fatigue. I feel like I have that so much or I used, to, I still have, okay. I used to have that a lot and I still have it. Cause I still have like other ideas I want to do, which I will probably never get to. But <laughs> <laughs> so that's the big thing is like, you want to do all these things, 
of course, you're not gonna really get anywhere if you don't take any action on them. Just try something, try anything. Maybe try the easiest one first. Maybe try um, doing like some of the the independent contractor work just to get an idea, get a feel of like how you like working during your extra time off. So, so and it'll help you like kind of commit to just the idea of side hustling and doing something for yourself. Let's if you want to do like a project or something outside of being an independent contractor for this other company. Do you ever deal with perfectionism when you're facing any of your creative side hustles? Yes. Uh, perfectionism is a huge one, especially as a, like as a painter, I have so many paintings that are basically unfinished in my head because there's some little thing I've always wanted to do with them or whatever I want to do with them now, which will never get done, even though they're finished in other people's heads. That's how I was like with my side hustle course, I was going, I just kept doing so many things to it until I finally released it. Cause I was like, all right, this isn't some giant freaking course it's the one's good to them How, who's gonna sit here and be like oh this is absolutely perfect like no one is gonna <laughs> no sit one. here and look at it like that they're no so perfect doesn't exist that's for one i'm a virgo so i'm a huge perfectionist but perfect doesn't exist <laughs> how do you how do you work through that when you find yourself going into this like creative spiral where you're like okay it's gotta be perfect though i can't launch this yet do you have any like mantras or like how do you personally work through that to actually launch the thing um, so when I get like into that kind of spiral, I actually just kind of walk away from it. I walk away from it for a while. I go to sleep. Maybe next day I come back to it and then see like, all right, this is where it's at. Like what is left to launch this? So it's valuable for the customer, you know, has everything that they need. You know, if do, do they need this X, Y, and Z that you think it'll be, make it perfect in your head? If they don't, just go ahead and launch it. I love that. I know when I first launched my business forever ago, I had a workbook that I spent a month and a half working on. And it like you would think it was like a hundred page workbook. No, it was like 10 pages. <laughs> it was not even like a ton, but I was so scared. And I know I was hiding behind the creative design before I, I used it because I'm like, no, 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 this is the tangible takeaway. Damn it. It's got to be perfect. And now I look back on that. I'm like, I was so afraid to launch that thing. <laughs> That's what was really going on. Yeah. No, it's crazy because like my, I guess my course was that big thing that I, well, I guess I had the the GYSD get your shit together printable bundle. Mm -hmm. I had that before, but I created that with another blogger. Um, so sh I had her to bounce off, like, you know, basically be like, all right, this is perfect. Let's go. Rather than yeah. me being like, we can't do it. But my side hustle course was the one thing where I had to get past that perfectionism hurdle. And after I did that, now when I launched stuff, it's just like, oh, bye. Just throw it out the door, basically. Yeah. yeah it almost builds your confidence. I think it's really cool to see. What are some of the online side hustles that creatives might try to bring in some extra cash, especially during COVID if they don't want to do DoorDash or maybe they can't for health reasons, they can't really leave their house. Like what, what are some things that you think would be worthwhile to try? Yeah. So you mentioned creative market, which I love creative market. I spend way too much time on there just looking at stuff, but <laughs> so they could, good. you know, yeah, they could upload designs if they do have those, you know, the capability to do that. Um, I upload designs to creative marketplace to, I mean, creative market to sell. Um, it wouldn't be like a right away earning, but you know, passive income down the line, you already created it. It's out there. Um, you could do the same thing with Etsy. Of course, you just have to take into account the fees and taxes uh, that go along with that. I think Zazzle is another one that does, you can upload designs to items or not like physical items that you're selling or the digital download itself, but you can use digital download designs. And What's then you upload them to again? like Zazzle with a Z-A-Z-Z-L-E. 
It's like basically like a drop shipping Etsy where you put your design up, you know, you upload it to the platform and then you could choose all these different items, put it on like wine cups, scarves, pillowcases, you know, t-shirts, whatever. That's so cool. So I guess kind of like a teespring, but with everything. Love it. Have you tried that one yet? Um, I played around with it because I did create, like, I did used to have an Etsy dropshipping store that I recently closed because I didn't want to spend any time on it. I didn't want to spend any more time on it. I had no space in my head for it. So I finally closed <laughs> it so I wouldn't have to pay the Etsy fees. Um, but I played around with Zazzle just to, like, kind of see if I could do the same thing on Zazzle without having to integrate um, dropshipping partners like I had to with Etsy. So I played around with it. Um, I've never sold anything on it. What was your, tell me about your Etsy store. What were you selling at that time? I was selling, um, it was called goth much and it was Cute. all in the gothic wedding niche. <laughs> Cause at the time so I was really, cool. yeah. And I, the thing was, so like the couple of months before COVID was actually when I got a lot of the sales, it was a lot of it for like gothic bachelorette parties, like, you know, which theme stuff, gothic wedding things like, um, and then just putting cute sayings with like gothic fonts on things, um, creating cute little icons and putting it with the font and putting on the, on shirts. It was like shirts. I did some t-shirt dresses, uh, wine, like the wine cooler glasses. And there was like other stuff like makeup bags, um, like the party favor bags you give out to bachelors and stuff. And I did, I sold a couple of stuff in those couple of months. A lot of it was group orders, which was great. Um, but then COVID hit and I was like, and then I let I let just sit there for a while, and I did get like a couple of trickle sales come in during that time. But I was like, I really don't want to spend time on this, and I don't know where weddings and bachelorette parties are going to go in the future right now. So yeah, what an awesome niche though! Like that's so cool. Yeah, it was something I wanted to play around with because it was something I wanted to try. So I tried it out. You know, it wasn't like a big money maker, but it was fun. I love that. I think the Etsy's one of those beasts where it's like you really have to get good at SEO from what I've seen. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I struggled with was the SEO, but like over time it improved on its own too. I think the more people that the more people like find your listing, they click and engage on it, then I guess it goes up just like Google or, you know, any other nice. SEO thing. But then when I started implementing Pinterest with it, so I created a lot of pin images for all my listings and then got more creative with that, then I did get more engagement on the shop and, um, sales. So most of my sales did come from Pinterest technically, if I think about it, not the Etsy SEO. Um, but the SEO, the SEO on Etsy, yeah, is difficult. And it's hard to crack, especially like with wedding stuff because there's so much wedding stuff on freaking Etsy. Mm-hmm. There really is a ton. <laughs> yeah. I like it though. Have you done any Etsy digital download stuff as well? Or are you dabbling with that yet? Yeah, so I have all this printables and stuff that I have are available on my website. And I like Sable.com. I do have an Etsy store for. Um, it's when I started uploading like some printables I have like as freebies on my site. I started uploading there for really cheap, but like as bundles. I have the GIST printable bundle on there. Um, a couple other little like printables that I made because I like I like creating printables in Canva a lot. So I would just upload basically about anything. It's time consuming though, creating the printable, creating all the images for the listing, you know, making the, the images look cool. Cause I wanted to, you know, make it look like it's all like deck, decked out with like the thing. I, I, but that's my perfection to do like making sure <laughs> the images are just right. Yeah, oh my God. That. And then doing the description, right. And then I want to make sure I give it precise instructions on how to download it and use it because then you get, you know, smart kind of questions. That, yeah. Um, I have it there and I'm keeping it up. It's not 
like I obviously I sell way more through my website than I do through the Etsy shop, but I still have it up just like another area for people to access it if they were to never come across my website. Um, and it's something I need to revisit and definitely add more to because there are things that are missing. <laughs> Love that idea, though. That's so fun. I think you've given us a lot of different ideas for where people can go, but I want to talk for a sec about your course and you've got a killer opt-in where people can go download. Is it 49 over 49 side hustles? Uh, yeah. So I have a post on my site. It's called like 49 plus side hustles uh, to create multiple streams of income. And if you just go to my site and you click on the side hustle page, it should be on there. So it's, there's like a featured image and it's there. And then there's also like there's freebies that you can download from that post as well. Awesome. Okay. Tell us about your course. So what, what can people expect from it and can they get through it in a weekend, in two months? Like what, what's the process like? Yeah. So my course is kind of, it's kind of a big course, but it's not like hugely intensive on like your action, I guess. So it's the Launch Your Side Hustle course. It goes basically through everything from thinking of side hustle ideas, brainstorming, trying to think of like which one is perfect for you and your lifestyle, of course, and your personality type. And then like how to get started with that side hustle, like how to create some sort of like web web home base, whether that be a website or social media, um, where you're going to basically house this project of yours for people to contact you. It also goes over like, I have an accountant and a lawyer that do little guest spots on there to ask the most frequently asked questions when it comes to taxes and things like if you need an LLC, a trademark, that sort of stuff. And like the different kind of stages of your side hustle of like when you might need those things. So I had like I surveyed my email list for those questions and social media. So it's based off of those questions. It isn't live and interactive. Um, but there is an option for side hustle coaching on the course. If you wanted some more handholding through the course, there is, um, it's only a hundred dollars more for my pretty face. <laughs> Love that. That's so awesome. I like that you brought in the attorney and tax professional too. It's so helpful. <laughs> yeah. It also goes over things like, you know, setting up like a virtual mailbox. If you don't want to use like obviously your home right. mailbox or a PO box and that, yeah, there's a bunch of cool stuff. And there's worksheets and actionable steps for every single module. And there is some video in there too, where we also interview current side hustlers about, you know, their side hustles. Like um, Danielle from Thought Card, she's in there, um, as well as Petite Aitza, she's also in there. That's awesome. What a fun course. I love that you're offering that too, because I know right now everyone's looking at how do I increase my income, do something that's creatively fulfilling that really speaks to my soul and might also bring in a lot of money. Like that's always the best, I think, of both worlds for sure. Okay. Before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fire questions? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So I personally am obsessed with morning routines. I just find them to be so interesting. So what is your current morning routine? Oh, okay. Morning routine. I wake up. After the cell phone alarm goes off, I go to the bathroom, I let the dogs out, I make coffee, and then I probably pop in a protein waffle, and then I re I boot my computer to get online for my work, my day job day. Love it. That's a, What kind of protein waffles are you eating these days? It's They're Kodiak waffles. Yeah, so, so they're good. good. And they're blueberry. Oh, so the good. best. The best. Okay. My next question for you, let's pretend it's post COVID. I think it'll be a lot more interesting. So where's one location you're dying to travel to? Greece. Definitely Greece. Oh yeah. Yeah. Greece. And well, if Venezuela is a country that we would ever be able to travel to then there, but right now, obviously 
I mean, before COVID happened, we could they couldn't fly there. So yeah. Greece would be amazing. Do you want to do like the Greek islands or what are you thinking? We're thinking Athens, but uh, basically all of Greece, <laughs> every single part of it. <laughs> it's it's cool. Yeah, we'll have to chat offline about Greece. My fiance and I went there and loved it. There's Greek donuts called Lukamades. I don't know if you've ever had those. Um, I don't think so, but those sound oh great. Oh my donuts. god! <laughs> Promise me you'll reach out before you go. I'll give you all the good okay. locations. It was so good. So, okay. So good. Okay, so next question for you. What's one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? Oh, um, it's probably going to be home improvement related because that's like all our purchases right now. <laughs> um, a hot water heater. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah, hot water heater. <laughs> I mean, that would definitely make my life better too. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Ooh, financial success, a clarity, guess. There we go. It's, I don't know. It just comes to my mind, and it's what I think about all the time is clarity. Well, obviously, finding clarity on your finances first because there's just so much. Because you first have to fight your own head with it, too. I love it. Daniela, thank you so much for sharing all about side hustles and giving us some inspiration on where to start if we want to ma- make a little extra money. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is fun. All right. What'd you think? I love this episode. I thought it was so interesting. The parts that really stood out to me is just how many different ways you can make money. But that's the most amazing thing to me is how people can just make money doing almost anything. You just have to find something that you're passionate enough about to stick with for a little bit of time and something that can potentially bring in some good income, a good side hustle income, so that you can start to find more of that balance between making money and having time freedom, which I think is the ultimate goal for most of us. All right. Do me the biggest favor. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a five-star review. It means so much to me. And I read every single one of your reviews. It really does show me what content resonates with you. And more than anything, it kind of gives me a little bit of feedback, which I am so grateful for. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you on Friday for five tip Friday or next week for another episode of the money nerds podcast. Bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.